Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Bavarian Podcast Works. This is Chuck Smith, and I'm here to bring you the weekend warm-up, BFW's weekly show, where we talk about all the big news and events of the week. And this is kind of a weird show. We are at holiday season. Uh, we are at the end of the Hinrunda. I have somehow found myself with a couple of hours of alone time, so what better way to spend it than with you guys talking about Bayern Munich? Uh, again, whatever holiday you celebrate, or if you don't celebrate any holiday at all, I uh, just want to wish everyone well and say thank you for sticking with the BFW community, reading our posts, downloading our podcasts. We totally love the interaction with you guys. We love being able to talk Byron, write about Byron, and uh, just have some fun with all of this. So a big thank you to everyone in the listening audience and all of the readers over at BFW uh, who support us. Uh, I also wanted to say I wanted to hook up with Tom Adams on this show because we had a lot of good ideas of things we wanted to, to hit on. Uh, at the end of the Hinrunda, and unfortunately, we just couldn't make it work with our schedules. So you have me solo today, but um, you know, I'll be honest, I'm excited to do this. Uh, like I said, I had a little bit of free time that came up, which I almost never get. Usually, I'm trying to record between a myriad of other things, or I have something with my kids, or whatever. But somehow, some way, I am alone, and here we are. So let's get right to it, and. Bayern Munich finished the Hinrunde in very good fashion. I mean, this is, by all accounts, an extremely strong team, and they continue to show it. Outside of a few hiccups over the course of the first half, you know, they've been great. I mean, nothing short of great, really. And let's be honest, if you took away the Borussia Mönchengladbach Pokal fiasco, everyone would be feeling like this Bayern Munich team is up to something special. But I'm here to tell you that even with that match in tow and even with some of the craziness that we've seen throughout the Hinrunda, uh, this is a squad that looks like they have the capability to do a lot of great things. Uh, I'm very, very excited for what lies ahead in the Rokrunda. Uh, Bayern Munich right now is clicking on all cylinders, and I think they have just the right core group to make this happen and do things that... Not many teams on earth are capable, are capable of doing, and that starts with winning the Champions League. So let's take a quick look at certain areas of the team and how they fared in the Hinrunda. And we'll start right at the top with the coach, Julian Nagelsmann, who I thought did a fantastic job. And no, I don't think he was perfect. I think there are potentially some flaws to some of his tactics. But uh, when you scroll all the way back and look at the preseason and how – there were certain people that were already getting a little worried when Bayern Munich was uh, losing some of those preseason matches and just not looking organized or good. Um, <clears throat> the, the thing that we were preaching, a lot of us were preaching at the time, was patience. That he doesn't have his whole team. Uh, that he's basically working with a C, C team, really, at that point. And, uh, you know, things did not look good. But as soon as he got his key players back, and all of his starters, Bayern Munich really did look like Bayern Munich. And for all of the griping I may do about some of his tactics and so, and how sometimes the offense chokes the life out of Robert Lewandowski and Thomas Muller just because it's so compact and, and, and everybody is so pushed into the box on offense, 
I do think that that is, is something that could become a problem area, but right now it's not because it's working. Uh, Nagelsmann has absolutely done a great job in getting this team to score in at a record pace in, in bunches. I mean, it's crazy how good the offense has been. And it's not just Lewandowski scoring the goals. It's not just Thomas Muller setting up the goals. When you look at players like Leroy Sané, Serge Gnabry, Kingsley Coman, Jamal Musiala, they're all producing at fantastic rates. Um, even the midfielders who in, in a lot of ways play more of a defensive role and more facilitating role, they are, they've been active. I mean, this is a high-powered, excellent offensive attack, and I think Nagelsmann has them playing extremely well. I think he deserves a lot of credit, and I don't think you could really say too many bad things about him at this stage of the season. Sure, he's going to go through some growing pains, and there are going to be some mistakes made along the way, but right now he's managing this roster the best that I think anyone could uh, in terms of managing the personnel, and he's getting the most out of the roster uh, to be able to put the team on this kind of pace and have them at such a point where they are one of the favorites, if not the favorite, to win the Champions League. So from there, if you want me to, to say anything else about Nagelsmann, I will tell you I think he's been great. And like I said, while there could be some issues down the road with some of his tactics, uh, I think, you know, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it because the players have bought into him and he looks great. The team looks great. And it'd be silly to sit here and complain about it. Now, this might be a little controversial in some respects because I just talked about how great the offense has looked. I, as good as the offense has been, as good as the attack has been, Bayern Munich's defense has been just as good. If you look at it, you know, it's one of the, the crazy things that we look at with this formation and how it's a hybrid and how it shifts from a back four to a back three and what that means for players like Alfonso Davies and Benjamin Pavar and Nicholas Sula and Diogo Macano and Luca Hernandez and how they adapt to it and how they handle it in game. And what I can tell you now is this. I think they have three superior center backs. I think Nicholas Sula has been the best of the bunch. Um, but you know, you will find the Upamakano camp, you will find the Hernandez camp. In the end, it doesn't matter. They have three excellent options. They all look terrific and they all have done really, really well. Uh, of course, we will touch on Sula and his ongoing contract issue a little bit later, but uh I think he's just been great. And when teamed with Hernandez or when teamed with Upamakano, it really doesn't matter. Sula has really taken his game to the next level. And uh, when you have such a steady defender like Luca Hernandez and you have a player with so much ability, even with some of the learning curve that he has in Dio Upamakano, I just think this, this is the type of versatile, flexible, and interchangeable back line in terms of the center backs that you need. And it allows Julian Nagelsmann to look at the matchups he has to face and be able to pick the center backs that might be that might best fit that particular matchup. And I guess in a way, in touching on that hybrid formation, we probably should include Benjamin Pavar in the center back mix because essentially Bayern Munich is playing a back three for the most part. And while there is a, a little bit of griping about how that affects the offense and how that pushes Alfonso Davies down the wing and pushes Leroy Sané to the center of the field, um, what we can tell you is this, uh, Bayern Munich has been much better against counterattacks. Counterattacks, they are much more balanced defensively and they look more steady. Sure, 
there are a handful of opportunities every game that they give up because uh, they may be caught in an odd man rush, but they have handled it really well. And that's easy to do when you have Manuel Neuer as the last line of defense. So uh, when I look at Bayern Munich's defense, uh, I could say that I think most players have really, really done a good job. Uh, Benjamin Pavar, who I just mentioned, he is a player who has been much maligned at times, but, but I think he has done some really fantastic things, uh, especially of late. And I think with Pavar, one of the things we all have to remember is when he struggles, it is often when he's coming back from an injury. And I've been critical of him for this. I think he needs to sit out longer when he's injured. I think he is the type of player who has a body that does not respond as quickly to healing as some other players. And I have no medical degree to back that up, but just watching him play, it always seems like right after he has an injury, he struggles a bit. Byron fans get frustrated, and then he eventually works his way back into good graces. I think Pavar is a really good player. Uh, do I think he's of the level of the other three center backs? Mm, probably not, but maybe he could get there if he played uh, a more consistent role in the center of the defense. As of now, he's listed as a right back, but for all intents and purposes, he is a third center back. So when you look at having four players like that, that you can roll out as quote unquote center backs, I think you could do a lot worse than adding Pavar to that mix of the three big three in the middle there. As for Davies, he's been an absolute menace on offense. When he pushes up, you can see the panic in the other defenders because not only do they have to worry about him, but he's teamed on the same side as Leroy Sané. And even though uh, Sané is technically the left wing, he's really in the middle of the pitch. Um, he's splitting time in the middle there with Robert Lewandowski and Thomas Muller. And while, again, I think it does get too congested, I think that there is uh, there are just too many bodies in the box at times. It's worked and it's worked really, really well. And when the defense, when the opposition's defense has to account for Davies, there's one less person or two less people uh, paying attention to players like Muller or Lewandowski or Sané or Gnabry or whoever. And you can see how that has impacted things. So again, Julian Nagelsmann is pushing all the right buttons in what he's doing with this hybrid formation. The midfield. Now, the midfield so far, I don't think they've been great. And this is why I'm so high on Bayern Munich. And that sounds weird to say that when uh, maybe the most key part of your team is actually playing maybe subpar, that you'd be excited about it. I am, because I think that players like Kimmich and Leon, Joshua Kimmich and Leon Goretzka will take their games to the next level in the second half. Kimmich, I don't think, has been as uh, dynamic or effective as in past years, but that does not mean he has, hasn't been good. He's been very good. He just has not reached that level yet, which gives me a lot of hope that he will get there. Kimmich, of course, has taken a lot of heat for his decision not to get vaccinated and then subsequently be becoming a close contact to COVID-19, then getting COVID-19 and then dealing with the after effects, which included fluid in his lungs. So um, with Kimmich, I'm hoping he can come back. And it, by all accounts, it looks like he's going to be ready on January 2nd when the team picks back up. But uh, Kimmich, I think, has a lot to show people. And knowing him, all of the naysayers and all of the haters that have really, you know, put him in their crosshairs, I think he's going to use that as motivation. 
Uh, and right now he's, he's a player that is extremely vital to Bayern Munich and what they can achieve for the rest of the season. So I think that Kimmich, once he gets back on track health-wise, will be just fine. And I feel the same way about Leon Goretzka. Goretzka, I, he's one of my, if I had favorite players on this team, he would be one of them because I think he can bring so much to the, tape, to the table as a box-to-box midfielder. He's able to contribute offensively and defensively. He's been a good passer. And I think he just makes some great dynamic runs into the box and can do so many things with the strength that he has on his shot. He has been picking up nagging injuries, and that is getting old, honestly. Uh you know, and unfortunately, that might just be the way his body is, no matter how many, how much iron he's pumping and how, how much stretching he's doing. He just seems to be a player that is prone to picking up knocks. And part of that is he plays a very physical and aggressive game. The other part is maybe his body is just that type. So uh, while I, I am a huge fan of Goretzka and, and Kimmich as well, I think that they still have much room for improvement from what they showed in the first half of the season. As for the backups there, I guess we'll include Jamal Musiala in this. Musiala, of course, has been all over the place. He's been a wing. He's been the eight. He's been the six. Uh, he's just so talented. I don't think you could really ask much more for much more from him. He's produced, and he's been really, really good. And I think on most teams in the Bundesliga and maybe most teams in Europe, he would have a starting position. He is that good. But at Bayern Munich, he is a super sub as of now. There have been rumors he's not exactly thrilled with the amount of playing time that he's gotten. So hopefully those those rumors are are just minor whispers at this point and that he can really continue to focus on what he's doing on the field and not worry too much about his position on the roster right now because I think he's such a dynamic presence and a difference maker. He offers Julian Nagelsmann the flexibility to do so many things, not just with his tactics, but with his formation as well. Uh, when you look at the other members of the midfield, Mark Roca, Quarantan Taliso, uh, and Marcel Sabitzer, and I, I almost forgot about Sabitzer because he's been hurt, and before he was hurt, um, he wasn't really that good. And, and and I'll be honest, I'm a big Sabitzer guy. I thought it was a fantastic move to get him the way Bayern Munich did, but he has not been good. I don't think he has the personality to take a back seat to anyone, and I think that's really affecting his game. I am not so sure at this point that Bayern Munich should keep him. And that's not to say they're going to sell him this winter because they're not. But I do think that Bayern Munich is going to have to look at that option come the summertime. Uh, Sabitzer is extremely talented and he's a leader. But when you try and take that alpha type of player and make him a beta, it doesn't work. It absolutely does not work. And I don't think it's working with Sabitzer. And it's a shame because I think he could offer so many things, but even having that relationship with Julian Nagelsmann, I don't think it means much at this point. I think Sabitzer just probably is, is as close to a one and done players we're going to see. And that's not a knock on him. I just think he needs to be somewhere where he's on the field. He's way too young to be taking a, a backseat to players like Kimmich and Goretzka. Even though I may rate them a little higher than him, I just don't think that Sabitzer has the mentality to, to be a bench guy. I think he knows he's too good for that, and that's ultimately going to affect him. And it is the one fear I had about the move was this exact scenario. Can he take a backseat? And right now I'm pretty safe and secure in saying I don't think he can. As for Roca. 
uh, looked good in the last few games here uh, before the end of the Hinrunda. Uh, his situation is kind of crazy because we just don't know if he's going to stay or go. It's rumored that he turned down a chance to move to FC Barcelona, but it, it, that would have been a silly move anyway. They have so many young midfielders. Why would you just go into another congested, packed center of the park where you might not get any time? Uh, Quarantan Toliso, obviously, so much ability, so many injuries. He was pretty good at the end of the Hinronda here. I'm not going to say he was great. In fact, he might not have been as good as Roca. But uh, Toliso, I think, for everyone, for him and the club alike, I think he just needs to move on. And there's there's been there's been a few stories conflicting where some say it's not ruled out that Bayern Munich will bring him back, while others are saying like, oh, he's he's got Inter Milan or AS Roma or whoever, Barcelona, Real Madrid looking at him. It doesn't matter who it is. The guy just needs to go to a team where he can play. Being at Bayern Munich and sitting behind players like Kimmich and Goretzka and maybe Sabitzer or whoever, uh, it's not good. It's not good for him. Uh, he's too young, too talented. And he needs to change the scenery. So uh, he's a good depth player right now at Bayern Munich, but I don't feel like he's here for the long term, even if he stays through this winter and has to move on in the summer. Uh, it's good for him, terrible for the club because he was a record signing and now they're letting him leave for nothing. So that's just bad business. And uh, Bayern Munich should be held accountable for that. And with that, we will move to the attack, which we've been raving about. Uh, basically for the entirety of this show, Robert Lewandowski. He's the man you start with. He's been excellent. Uh, sure, I think there have been moments where he's been a little more quiet than Byron fans would like, but there's a reason for that. And we've touched on it a few times with so many bodies in the box, so much congestion. He's not going to get as many touches on the ball. And you can see it in his game. He's When he starts to realize that he's not getting the ball as much, he drops deeper on defense just to get a touch on the ball, just to make a quick back pass, just to receive it, take a dribble, and then pass it along. He's recognizing when he needs to be more active. But, yeah, I'm sure he's a little frustrated with the way things are going. And he, the, the craziest, craziest thing is, is he's still producing at an insane rate. I mean, he's been so, so good, not just with his overall production and the way he's been able to score, but just how confident he is, how he leads that attack. And how I think the players around him are drawn to him and are willing to sacrifice parts of their own game to, uh, to help him elevate his own. So he's had that effect on the team, and I think you see that. Very occasionally you'll see uh, players in the attack be a little selfish, but for the most part they are looking to get Robert Lewandowski involved. And when we talk about some of the players who might make some selfish decisions, we look at Kingsley Coman. And Serge Gnabry, uh, sometimes Leroy Sané, although Sané has not been as bad with that. Uh, and, and don't get me wrong, it's okay for those players to be selfish. I mean, they are attackers as well, and if they have opportunities to shoot, um, they should take it. So I get that. Uh, on the flip side of that, Thomas Muller, who has been phenomenal all season, I'd like him to be a little more selfish rather than unselfish because I think he gets so worried about getting Lewandowski involved, especially when he can sense that Lewandowski is frustrated, that he takes away so much of his own game and his own ability to score that it hurts the team. So 
regardless, this is all first world problem because Byron has been so damn good on offense. <laughs> this is just nitpicking for the sake of nitpicking. This is a world-class attack any way you slice it. Thomas Muller is running point guard and has been just tremendous. We've already talked about Lewandowski. When you, when you think about Leroy Sané and you think about the progress he's made in this game in the last year and a half, how he's developed into a complete player. Last year we saw him make the jump to become a consistent defender after he had uh, a benching from Hansi Flick. And since that point, he has been an excellent defender. Now we're seeing him take his offense to the next level because he's got that confidence back in his knee. And while he was frustrating last season, and he absolutely frustrated me at times, um, the one thing, the one caveat that I always kept saying was this is his first year back from an ACL. And I think now he's proving with that confidence in his knee, and now he's showing that he's got his strength and speed and quickness and agility back, that he is just a dynamic force in the attack, and he is causing a lot of problems. And when you have him operating – with Thomas Muller and Robert Lewandowski, it really doesn't matter if it's Serge Gnabry or Kingsley Coman or Jamal Musiala or whoever, because that player is getting advantageous matchups and players like Coman and Gnabry and Musiala are taking advantage of that. So this has just been an incredible attack. I'm extremely excited to see what they can do in the second half of the season. I'm not going to give out grades for any of the positions or for the team overall, just because I need no name to that did that um, in, in a really good manner on our website. I encourage you to check out his posts with his midseason ratings. Uh, but I will tell you this, I'm extremely confident in what this team can do. I'm extremely confident that they have the ability, talent, and depth to be able to not just win the league, but to win the Champions League. And it's almost getting to the point where I'll be shocked if they hit a stumbling block. Uh, when I look at teams that could be that potential stumbling block, I only see a couple. I don't see any in Spain. I do see PSG as being a problem because PSG, for whatever reason, will raise their level of play against Bayern Munich. They may look like crap against everyone else, but when it comes to Bayern, PSG is going to give everything that they have. So I would I would like to avoid PSG for as long as possible. But as far as the rest of the field goes in the Champions League, I really would only consider PSG, Liverpool, and Man City as primary contenders to Bayern Munich. And you're going to say, well, what about Chelsea? They did win the Champions League last year. I think Chelsea's a bad matchup for Bayern Munich in terms of, I'm sorry, I should say Bayern Munich is a bad matchup for Chelsea. I, I don't think that Chelsea's a bad team. I think they are one of the top five clubs in the world right now. But I just think if they were matched up against Bayern Munich, they would struggle. Struggle more so than, say, Liverpool or Man City or PSG. And again, not a knock on Chelsea, not a knock on Thomas Tuchel. But uh, I just think when I look at matchups, I see Bayern Munich as having a clear advantage in a lot of positions. And I think Bayern could make man's, uh, Chelsea's life hell in a one-versus-one matchup. So... That's what I have on the squad. I'm really excited about what lies ahead and how they look. As for the news of the week, we touched a little bit on things. So let's quickly recap. Uh, Mark Roca, tough to say whether he's in or out. We did hear rumors he would want to leave during the winter. You know, Now we hear that he's turned down Barca, and we hear that he might want to stay and that he's happy to have Julian Nagelsmann's uh, 
confidence and he enjoys playing for Nogglesman. So we're seeing all of that. So honestly, he is in a who knows position right now. Uh, and the same could be said for Quarantan Taliso. About the only thing we know about Taliso, despite some of the stories we've seen about him wanting to stay and that Byron may want to keep him, is that he's probably going to leave this summer. Uh, right now, it looks like based on the latest news, he will not leave in the winter, which was a possibility at one point. Just looks like he will not uh, be making that move right now. The big one, and I've touched on this a couple of weeks in a row, is Nicholas Sula. It's just every day it's something. It's back and forth. Yes, Byron wants to keep him. Yes, Byron's going to offer him $10 million a season. No, Sula wants to go to the Premier League. No, Sula is not going to have talks over the winter break. But what we do know from the latest reports is that Sula is going to talk to Bayern Munich sometime in February. And by the end of that month, Bayern is going to know one way or the other if Sula is coming back. Uh, and that's all alleged right now. But it looks like Nicholas Sula and Bayern Munich are going to have about two months to work this out. And hopefully they do, because I think he is a integral and vital part of the squad moving forward. I think he's the best German center back right now. Um, all apologies to Mats Hummels and Antonio Rudiger, but I think Sula is the man right now. The other big news that we saw this week is the return of the Serginho Dest uh, rumors. And, you know, we've seen the gamut so far that Bayern has interest in him. Dest has reciprocal interest in Bayern Munich. We've heard that there's a deal worked out yet from reports out of Spain, but then we hear the German reports say that is not true. What we do know is Bayern did have interest in Dest. We know that from a multitude of stories, uh, going back to, you know, what Hansi Flick wanted when he was at the club versus what Brasso could provide him in the transfer market. We know that Bayern has long held interest in Dest. We also know that FC Barcelona is not thrilled with Dest's development. In fact, they don't think he's developed at a fast enough pace to really be an effective player at FC Barcelona. That is a little alarming because Barcelona, as we know, is a mess right now. I do worry a little bit about Dest development. I don't worry about his talent, but just because you have talent doesn't mean you can play. Uh, and I'm not saying Dest can't play. I'm just saying there's a reason to be a little concerned. Now, most Bayern fans are you know, over the moon right now about this possibility and the fact that we've heard that they could or Bayern Munich could bring him in uh, this during this winter window. What is interesting to me about Dest is that he could easily fill not just a right back role, but this sort of hybrid right wing back role or just a straight right wing back role for Julian Nagelsmann. If Byron is able to acquire Dest, and whether that happens in the winter or the summer, I do feel like Nagelsmann will be closer to moving to a back three and that he would use wing backs of Dest and Alfonso Davies. What that means for Sula, I don't know. What that means for Benjamin Pavar, I don't know. What I think it means is Byron would need three center backs, which would three starting center backs. So don't get me wrong. So again, you want to look at it realistically. They would need three starters. They would need four starting caliber center backs. And uh, if, if big, if uh, Nagelsmann does decide to do that, if they acquire Dest, I think that the club not only is going to have to look at, what they're doing with Sula, but also Pavar, because I think they would need four good players. And I don't know if I've seen enough out of Tangai Nianzu to think that he's going to be that type of player. He makes a lot of mistakes. 
a lot of mistakes. And that's all part of his development. He's a young player. But uh, if you need him, if one of those center backs go down, can you depend on him for the long term? I don't think you can right now. I think you could depend on Chris Richards, but Chris Richards has another year left on his loan at Hoffenheim, I believe. And Richards, right now, we don't know how he fits into Bayern Munich's future plans. We don't know if Bayern Munich uh, wants to proceed with Richards or if they'd like to see him move on. I think the club really likes him. There's no reason not to like him. One, he's a great kid. Two, he's got a lot of talent. Three, he's already proven he's a Bundesliga starting caliber center back. But at Bayern Munich, they've got a bit of a logjam at that position. It's not even including Lars Lucas Mai, who is on loan at Werder Bremen as well. So, like I've said before, I think Mai moves on. Richards might go down the same road, and Byron just might offer him the opportunity to continue on with Hoffenheim and uh, really develop there. But, you know, this death situation does open quite a bit uh, up for Nagelsmann. Uh, it's been my theory all along that he really just wants to play back three. He just doesn't have the players to do it yet. So uh, getting desks would definitely give him that type of player. Then the questions would move to, can Dest actually do it at this level consistently? And will this formation work? Um, I think it can. I know that Samarin and I need no name would probably strike me down for saying that. But I think uh, Nagelsmann has a plan. I think he knows what he wants to do. And I think this roster is talented enough to make it work. So that's a question for next year, probably. But the way things are headed, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be shocked if Byron does go after Dest, and then we start to see a change from the beloved four two three one that all of us love so much, including myself. But I'm a little more open to see what Nagelsmann wants to do with a back three. And with that, we will end this Hinronda holiday happy hour i've been sipping on a couple of beers here as i've been doing this so um you know that made me feel good anyway <laughs> but again i appreciate everyone and their time for listening and reading the blog uh whatever you're doing the next couple of weeks if you're celebrating if you're not have a great time uh stick with us on bfw we're going to keep covering everything we will not slow down uh, we might not post every 90 minutes like we usually do during the busy season. It might be more like every 120, but we will have consistent posts up and we'll keep our podcast going as well. So if you ever want to reach out to me, you can get me at the Barrel Blog on Twitter. Of course, you can get our site at Bavarian FB Works. You can get Tom at Tommy Adam 71 You can get Jake at Jefferson Fenner. And you can get I Need No Name at BFWINNN. Thanks again for listening. Uh, I think we'll have one more of these before the end of uh, 2021. So uh, that would make our last weekend warm up probably around this time next week. So thanks again for listening, and we will see you then.